You're listening to Mind Your OT Business, a podcast to empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, the ever honest, always 100% real, Laura Park Figueroa. I'm the founder and owner of Outdoor Kids OT, a leader in the nature-based therapy movement, as well as a business coach for therapist entrepreneurs exclusively in my Business Better Ops group coaching program. I hope that what you hear on this podcast will empower you to take action, even when you feel a little bit afraid. So are you ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hi, friend. Welcome to the beginning of the end of our Enneagram series here on the Mind Your OT Business podcast. We have been exploring how the Enneagram is a tool for personal discovery and growth as OT entrepreneurs. If you are tuning in for the first time this week, welcome. And if you aren't familiar with the Enneagram, go back to episode 52, which was the introductory episode to the whole series so you can get oriented a little bit. And then dive right in to whatever episode you want to listen to. But you're here today for the Enneagram 7, which is The Enthusiast. And Asia Rowley and I have a value-packed conversation about the Enneagram 7 and how it relates to OT business. But before we dive in, I have a little quick announcement to make. So podcasting is very interesting because when you have systems in place to produce your podcast, such as you have to record and then you have to edit the audio and then you have to do show notes and then you have to publish it to all the different forums where you market it. You need to record relatively far in advance so that the podcast editors and show notes and all the posts and everything can get done. So I often record these episodes long before you hear them in your nice little ears. And I am recording this episode at the end of July and recently decided to hold a fall cohort for my Business Bedrocks group coaching program. I was on the fence about if I was going to do that because I had a cross-country move earlier this year, and I wanted to make sure I was settled in and had energy to invest in anyone who enrolled. The good news is I do. I am so excited to do it. The tricky thing was that it was, it starts today. If you're listening to this podcast the day that it comes out on August 6, 2021, The Business Bedrocks Group Coaching Program is starting today. So the announcement is that I am leaving the cart open until the end of tonight, until 9 p.m. Central Time. I will have the cart open. That is assuming that we are not fully enrolled to 50. 50 is my limit for this. I'm capping registration at 50. So if there are still spots left, you can go to businessbedrocks.com to register. If you are on the fence about whether or not you need business coaching, I can confidently say that you probably do. (laughs) Coaching has helped me so much in my businesses, and I have used OT coaches, and I have also used people from outside of the field of OT. All of it has been helpful. We are not intended to do this entrepreneurship thing alone, by ourselves, uncertain, worried, not sure if we're doing things right or effectively, wondering what other people are doing. And when you enroll in a group coaching program, you get not only my coaching from my experience and the the money that I've invested in myself as a coach to know how to help you and your business, 
But you get the group think of all these other incredible business owners who are in the program as well. There is so much benefit to being in this program. And I truly believe that it will change your business and your life. That is I can confidently say that because of the people that have come through this program and what they've told me about the changes that it's made for them. The goal of the program is to help you set up systems in the areas of mindset, operations, marketing, and finances so that you can work less and make money while your business is set up to grow and scale. So if that is something you need, go to businessbetterox.com and I hope I'll get to meet you there. All right, let's dive into this episode all about the Enneagram 7. All right, here we are back with another episode in our Enneagram series. So if you are tuning in for the first time to the podcast, welcome, first of all. And this is the middle of a very long series on the Enneagram, which is a tool for self-discovery and can really help inform us in our businesses. But if you don't know what the Enneagram is and you're just now tuning in, you might go back to the introduction episode to the Enneagram series, which was eight episodes before this one. So go back if you don't know what we're talking about. Today, we have Asia Rowley here. She is the owner of Center Point for Children in Irvine, California, which is a private pediatric practice that offers OT services as well as education opportunities for schools, therapists, and parents. And they specialize in AIRS sensory integration. And she is an Enneagram Seven, the enthusiast. So, welcome, Asia. I'm so excited to talk to you because we both are seven-ish and we're enthusiastic about this interview. (laughs) We are. Yes. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here and talk about the Enneagram. It's really been such a, it's been like personal therapy to me really with almost Mm. all my relationships over the years. And I actually was fortunate enough to learn about the Enneagram when I was fairly young, when I was a teenager, actually from my mom and, and then ended up subsequently doing research projects with it. And over the years, it keeps coming up. Like when I was getting my doctorate, the leadership course I took, there was a whole session, uh, you know, on talking about the Enneagram and writing a paper about yep. your type. And, and I, and I think it's so, it's so informative in just how to relationally approach and communicate with people and what's the best communication styles for certain people versus others. Right. And also just personal insight into, you know, our motivations and our drives. Yeah. Yeah. We were in that class together that, that I took that class at Thomas Jefferson university. Cause I'd started yeah. down the OTD path for, that was one of the first classes I took, I think. And yeah. that's how we met actually like <laughs> know. four years ago or whatever it was. And I remember that paper so well, because that's the first paper or the first time that I realized I was almost equally a seven and an eight. I'm an eight with a very strong seven wing. I test like almost equally on both. It's like half, half, you could be either, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember when I wrote that paper, I, I called myself an enthusiastic challenger because (laughs) the seven is an enthusiast and the eight is a challenger. It was like, Oh, I don't know about that combination, but anyway, so yeah, this will be really fun to talk about because I can really relate to your, your sevenness. And I know you said you have a six wing. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let me read the description. So we orient everyone. Cause now we're already getting okay. into Enneagram ish language and people may be like, what are they saying? Sounds like we're speaking Greek. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to read the type seven, the enthusiast from the Enneagram Institute website. It's Enneagram Institute.com slash type hyphen seven. 
The enthusiast, the busy variety seeking type, spontaneous, versatile, acquisitive, and scattered. Now I must confess, I am doing a PhD and I had no idea what the word acquisitive meant. And I looked it up in the dictionary and it means (laughs) excessively interested in acquiring money or material things, which I like making profit in my business. And I kind of always feel bad about that. And now I realize that might just be part of my personality, my sevenness. Okay. So the, the type seven in brief, again, this is straight from the website. Sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous, playful, high spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents, becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. They constantly seek new and exciting experiences, but can become distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. At their best, they focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. The basic fear of a seven is of being deprived and in pain. The basic desire is to be satisfied and content to have their needs fulfilled. I've also heard it said that the basic desire of sevens is to avoid pain and and have pleasure, essentially. The Enneagram seven with a six wing, which I think is what you said, is the entertainer. And the Enneagram seven with an eight wing is the realist. So give me your response to that, Asia. Does that resonate with you? You know, it does. I think that as a seven, I've seen my father's a seven too, actually. And so I can kind of recognize another seven because they're usually the person in the room that's talking more than I am. (laughs) But, but I do think that there's this piece about enthusiasm and charisma that a seven has that makes them a really good leader. Mm -hmm. But I do also relate to the piece about being a little scattered, a little, you know, I kind of call it my own I don't, I don't have ADD, but I feel like sometimes right. I, I, I'm trying to do too many things. And I, and I think sevens are really good at seeing the big picture and kind of have these really big goals and are excited about, you know, these different prospects, but yet the, the nitty gritty details of it sometimes get lost and they really need someone like a one, (laughs) someone like they need someone that's a little bit more structured and organized and detailed oriented sometimes to kind of rein them in or just organize their thoughts and and all of these ideas, these grandiose ideas they have. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of, I think I mentioned it in another episode as well. I just read the book traction by Gino Wickman and one of the things he talks about in the book, I and I, I'm, I'll say it again here in case people haven't listened to all the episodes, I, I definitely recommend that book if you are scaling your business to where you have several employees and you're not so much a book for like starting a business or like early on. It, it's more for getting really great systems in place for scaling and growing a business significantly. So that book, he talks about how a lot of times the CEO is like this visionary person but they need an integrator. They need a person who can like integrate all of these ideas they have and take care of the nitty gritty kind of details of the business. And as I heard you talking, I was thinking, yeah, like sevens could be very enthusiastic leaders, like people who employees or or teams may want to follow someone like that, who has a great vision and who can be really enthusiastic and make people excited about reaching a vision. But if you can't implement that and you don't know how to delegate to people or have someone who's kind of 
getting those details into place to take it forward, it can be, it can be really challenging. So I hear you on that too. That's a struggle of mine as well. So luckily yeah. I have an integrator who helps me <laughs> I have a couple of them actually on my team. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I'm still looking. I have one that we're, we're growing together, uh-huh. but yeah, I, I think, but she's a seven also. So, you know, so that was funny doing. So I actually, as I've been in the hiring process and growing my business and my private practice, I've asked all of my employees to take the Enneagram test. And yeah. I do feel it's worth paying for the, like, it's like $12, $12, for the rating, yeah, so the cheap. Rating, whatever, yeah. but it's like, it's like 150 questions. So it takes a while, but it gives you percentages. And I think that one really gives you, I think the most in-depth and it was by, it's like Rizzo and it's like the Rizzo and Hudson test, which yeah. I think those are the two main authors kind of like expert, you know, kind of that have been publishing on the Enneagram for many years. So I think it's worth investing in that test. And it's been really enlightening for me to know how to approach my staff, right? And how to talk to certain members of my staff. And I I think we find a lot of nines in OT. I think nines and twos. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard twos too, but nines are probably, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I could see nines being very prevalent too. That's the yeah, peacemaker. Well, the two is the helper right. and nine is the peacemaker. The peacemaker. I mean, I think it's because they're really empathetic and they want to work with people. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that they have this natural tendency to be kind of care, you know, very caring. But yeah. I think it's been really nice to be able to, you know, I don't want to run over. I think that there's this, my fear is a seven, especially as someone who's married to a nine. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and so I kind of know I have a lot of nines in my life and, and mm-hmm. I know that I need to be careful not to like, kind of run over them or, you know, kind of be a little bit, cause I can be so in my head and so enthusiastic and so like gung ho about what I'm doing. If it, it kind of sometimes seems insensitive. So yeah. I can come off a little insensitive. It's a little bit like, I don't care. I'm not listening to you. And it's not really that it's that I'm have five different things that I'm thinking about <laughs> and I'm trying to implement all of them at the same time. Yes. And then, you know, there's this thing about a seven with their FOMO. I think that they, I wanted to get them to say it's, it's FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. A seven fear of missing like, out. Yeah. They never want it. They want to be doing the best thing, the most efficient thing, the most, you know, the thing that's going to capitalize on everything that they need in their multitasking. And, and sometimes that's oh, not possible, you are so. so speaking my language. This is like, it's a real struggle of mine. The FOMO, like I, yeah. I just want to be all places all the time with all the cool people on Instagram, you know, (laughs) like like I just, I, I really struggle with, with staying in my own lane and not being like, oh, she's doing that. Maybe I should do that. Like, oh, but, but, oh, that looks like that was really successful. Maybe I should do that. You know, it just, it just is really hard. I have to continually remind myself, like, I need to, and I have a lot that I'm doing in general, just in my businesses. And I, I don't have room really to add anything, but I really struggle with that feeling like I want it to be fully optimized and the best ever and the most fun and the most everything, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just, everything is all or nothing. There's not really a middle yeah. with me. Like, so yeah. I, I just, I resonate so much with you saying that because that is how I see sevens or how I think about them kind of stereotypically in my mind is like this FOMO. They have total fear of missing out and they just, they just want to do all the things, you know? So, okay. So let's talk about what are your strengths as a business owner running your practice as an Enneagram seven? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I've got a lot of energy and I think I bring 
I, I think I can bring together a team of people. I think you mm-hmm. can, sevens are very good. I think they do have a charisma that can kind of endear people to their cause. And I think when a seven is fairly mindful, and I think my six wing really helps me kind of ground me, I think. And I think yeah. it's, if you have an eight ring or seven, I think it grounds the seven a little bit because the sixes kind of brings a little bit more fear. Like I'm a little bit fearful, right? Sixes are the questioner yeah. or, the, yeah. you know, and so they definitely have this ambivalence about, I, I don't want to make the wrong decision because, so I think I have a little bit of that, but, but I think yeah, that's that, interesting. Um, yeah, so it kind of grounds me and makes me, but, but I think that a seven as a leader, they can make things fun and they can make a work environment enjoyable to be in. And people mm-hmm. are motivated and passionate towards a cause because they have this leader that's fairly passionate and optimistic and energetic about it as well. Yeah. It's just making sure that the seven isn't building their plan on toothpicks. <laughs> it has solid wood underneath it and not like straw. You know, like, right, right. It's a lot of talk and not producing, you know, without the production. But, and then I think sevens can actually also identify like kind of the strengths in others. I think their social mm-hmm. mindedness is really, they're, very, they're usually very attuned to being pretty social and they can kind of interact with a lot of different personalities and kind of exist in social settings really comfortably. Yeah. And so what that does is I think that then, you know, they can make the connections. Like I love reconnecting with you and, you mm-hmm. know, and just different things so that there's different opportunities and they can grow their endeavors because they're fairly comfortable in social settings and can kind of reach yeah. out and talk to people and then identify the people that maybe what those, their strengths are, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then bring them into their cause to have a diverse team. I, you made me think of when you were talking about the social aspect, you made me think of, I have a friend who's a four, one of my best friends. She always says, you know, everybody wants to be the seven. Like, <laughs> Because she's like, they're just fun loving and they're social and they're exciting. And she's like, I think a lot of people might misidentify themselves as sevens because they want to be that, you know, like, so it's, it's kind of a fun, I mean, it is a fun loving Enneagram type number, but there are foibles that come along with that type the same way we all have strengths and weaknesses. So what, what do you feel like are the challenges as a business owner, as an Enneagram seven? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's we kind of already touched on it, but it's yeah. it's doing the hard stuff. It's doing the not so fun stuff, yeah. right? It's having, you know, we love to have all the meetings and talk about everything that's going to go on, but then actually taking the weekend off, you know, or taking the weekend to work and actually get all the systems in place and to yeah. do all of the detail work that's not as fun or enjoyable or as dynamic, but it needs to get done. I think that that's kind of can be, you know, left in that, that is a struggle sometimes mm-hmm. for me. And I've got to kind of, you know, really discipline myself to, yeah. you know, stay the course on things that maybe aren't the most fun all the yeah. time yeah. to get, you know, to get the systems in place and the structure. Yeah. Have you outsourced any of that stuff? I'm wondering, like, as a, as a seven, is there anything that you really don't like to do that's not fun for you that you've outsourced in your business that to like make your work more fun and kind of play more to your strengths? Well, definitely the accounting and, and my, oh, my yeah. books. I don't do my books and no. I've never, no, even I, I think I've been incorporated for about eight years and that was some advice I, I received right from the get-go. And so yep. I've, I've I, but you know, I feel a little bit like I, I wish, I, I feel like I should know more <laughs> a little bit about what's going sure. on on that end, but I'm so, and I'm so reliant on my bookkeeper and then my accountant to process all of that. 
And then I am starting, I'm just now starting to give my administrative manager my schedule, scheduling and, oh, and that side, but I'm, I'm slowly giving, yeah. giving things away. I, I think that, you know, what's another interesting thing about a seven is that or our integration points or just Enneagram in general, that it's so, it's so much more than just, you know, you're one number and then you have a wing, but I love that also we have an integration point and a disintegration point yes. with other numbers. And I think that a disintegration point for a seven, when we're not so healthy is when we go to one and we try to micromanage things yeah. we're trying to be over. Yeah. And I think I have a tendency to like, kind of take charge and then not really kind of let go of the control sometimes. And yeah. I think that that's when I'm maybe going to not my best self. And so I think, and so I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> and I'm trying to find my five, which is our integration. Yeah. Part, right. So when we go, sorry, I didn't tell anyone who, what these numbers were. That's but okay. I'll the, talk about it after yeah. you Yeah, finish. Yeah. I want to hear you say okay. this. Yeah. So the five is the observer. And when a seven can go to five and is really comfortable being by themselves, quiet, they can slow down. They're mm-hmm. really an in, they're more integrated. And I, and I, and I've kind of always thought about that as I, especially as I grew, as I've been growing up, I'm so used to being around a lot of people. And I find that when I'm okay by myself, I feel like I'm, I can reflect on that. I'm probably healthier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a healthy spot yeah. and I'm good at being by myself and then maybe doing the hard things, right. Sitting yeah. by myself on a Sunday, not seeing anybody and actually typing up all those reports that I need to yes. get done. <laughs> yes. Or even just being by yourself and not doing anything like right. for, for a seven, that can be really hard for me. I mean, I know like my tendency when I go on a hike is like, I want to listen to a podcast, preferably about business, but I'm relaxing, even though I'm listening to a business podcast. Right. No, no, actually you're not, you're not shutting off your brain. If you're listening to a business podcast, Laura, you know, like, so it, it's really, I think it, it's a, well, let me back up. So this is, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is something that I wish I would have done in more of these interviews. I actually, I think we've touched on it in a few I've recorded. I think this is the, this is my last recording. Actually, I, I recorded one last week and I thought that was my last one. Then I was like, no, I still have Asia one more. <laughs> so I haven't talked a lot about health and integration and disintegration is what they call it in the Enneagram kind of framework or the circle. But basically the concept is that each number, when it is kind of unhealthy, it goes to a negative quality of of another number. And when it is healthy, it goes to the positive qualities of another number. So that's kind of what you were just referring to was sevens when they're in, they call it a direction of disintegration or unhealthiness or stress they suddenly become, this is from the Enneagram Institute website. They suddenly become perfectionistic and critical at one. This is what you just talked about. However, when moving in their direction of integration or growth or health, I would say gluttonous and scattered sevens become more focused and fascinated by life, like healthy fives. So we become more thinking and inward the way a five is. So it's really interesting to look at the arrows and you of, of like where you move in periods of stress and growth or disintegration and integration. And it's really helpful using those arrows as like a framework to notice in yourself, whether you're in a period of health or, or being unhealthy in your type. So, okay, let's go on. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I haven't talked about that a lot. And I think it's really important for people to know that about the Enneagram and kind of look at those arrows in their type. So talk to me a little bit about what you dream about for your business as an Enneagram seven. 
Well, I really want to expand the clinical practice. I'm trying to also, I feel like I really want to try to diversify my income streams so that I'm not so dependent and reliant on clinical treatment hours, Mm -hmm. just because I think I've seen so many private practices, or when I've talked to these people, I've been so fortunate to have some really amazing mentors Mm -hmm. (laughs) and other clinic owners that have really helped me along this path that I'm on. But uh, you know, not turning it into a clinic factory, right? Where like you have yeah. to, your bottom line, I have to just get all the kids through the door. You know, I, they have to be, you know, I have to be seeing two or three kids, you have three kids, four yeah. kids per hour to make, you know, to pay all my bills. Right. So I, I not really, even to make a significant profit, just to pay the no, bills. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, and, and so I'm really, I'm because I, you know, I have kids that really need the space to themselves like, that are very disorganized and right. needed. And, and I see a lot of babies in the morning, which I I'm loving, but you know, it's kind of not, I can't quite do that to you. So they need private space and then, and not over taxing my therapist with too many treatment hours so that they don't get burned out. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all factors. So I'm really hoping that I can also, that center point for children can also be kind of like a training and education mm-hmm. Institute. I almost want to be the more of a net less of a clinic and more of like an institute. So yeah, having I love an it. international mentorship program and that that would be therapists could come and get trained side by side with airs SI, like expert therapists in in airs yeah. SI and then get kind of a advanced clinical reasoning with the direct experience with the child. And I, and I think I was so fortunate enough to start at a clinic where when I was early in, in my career, where, where there were really, I got to co-treat right side by side yeah. with these therapists that really knew what they were doing. And that gave me so many resources. And it was so educational just to be in the same space as them and to see yes. active airs SI in how and how it goes because the kids are hard we work with, right? They're not mm-hmm. easy. And there's not, you know, there's a kind of a recipe, but I think that it's hard for people to understand sensory integration sometimes because it is so dynamic and it's such a fluid model. I think actually my sevens might like it because it's like treatment plan. We don't need a a specific treatment plan. I'm not doing specific (laughs) activities. We're just going to see what the kid wants to do. And I'm cool with that because I didn't want to plan, you know, an hour ahead. I showed up five minutes before the session. Right, right, right. But no, I think that's a, you know, that's a funny bit of a seven, but also the play-based finding. So so I think I really hope that I can partner. I, I think I'm looking at partnering actually with the collaborative for leadership and airs sensory integration that yeah nonprofit classy. that yep. yeah classy that does advanced certifications in sensory integration I'm currently an instructor for them so I'm hoping that I can maybe create a more of like this once you're once you've been certified now can you come apply it and have like an yeah and then also hopefully I, I've been doing some guest lectureships at Chapman University with a psychologist that I work with and also at Stanford University so I'm hoping to have more teaching opportunities too so that's kind of my goal to have a balanced, a dynamic practice that, you know, has more going on. And then somehow I would love to be able to treat children more on a scholarship basis or have kids. We do a lot of independent education evaluations and those children are coming from all over the place in Southern California, the Inland Empire and driving an hour, some two hours sometimes to come see us even out in like Palm Springs, the desert area. And I would really love to be able to offer them some sort of supports because right now it does seem like there's this barrier to sensory integration which is that it's kind of you have to have the money yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a service that is not funded through insurance usually or it's yeah. 
reimbursement rates are so low. So I would love to figure out how to make this method, which I think is so meaningful and and life-changing for so yeah. many families that I've worked with. I would love to try to find a way to make it more accessible. So yeah. I was thinking maybe how could I partner that, right? Like, can these people, can the people getting trained treat the kids that need it, right? But I'm getting the money from them. And so, so I'm hoping, yeah. we'll see. But I'm I'm just in my first year of owning this clinic. So I've got, <laughs> you have, got a road. <laughs> but that was the classic, I you gave a perfect example of the classic Enneagram 7 answer to what do you dream about for your business? Because there were like five dreams there, you know, <laughs> like, because, but they all, I, I want to be really clear about this. Like a lot of times people will say to Enneagram sevens, like, how do you do everything that you do? Well, it's because we love it. That's why, that's why we can do everything we do. We love the things that we do. We just feel this enthusiasm for the things that we do. Right. And so there is a symbiotic nature to everything that you just talked about. But it feeds your your Enneagram 7 enthusiasm because there are so many different avenues to pursue kind of all in this like general topic of leadership and support for therapists and children using sensory integration as the overall method, right? So it's just really cool. I love that answer. I was like, oh, she's going, oh, she has one more. Oh, she has another one. <laughs> I we can so be a little long-winded sevens. <laughs> well, you know, I think most, most of us sevens are, uh, are pretty long-winded because we're just chatty anyway. Okay. Last question before we, we kind of sign off here. Oh yeah. The time I have to keep an eye on time. See, I forget my seven wing is like, no, just keep talking. The last question is what do you wish people knew about Enneagram sevens to have like healthier relationships with Enneagram sevens? Yeah. You know, I think that it's maybe understanding that sometimes their distraction or what seems to be they're being kind of insensitive. They're not listening or they're not mm-hmm. quite so present as present as you would like them to be. Mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, unless you're, it, it's good to be very direct with a seven. I think you need to like give them the tactile cue and the visual cue and then say, <laughs> Hey, you need to listen to what I'm saying right now. Right. It's important. Right. I, I don't think that they necessarily mean to be so scattered and not so focused on you as a person, but they just need those cues to know that this is an important topic that I really need your full attention for. And it's hard for sevens to give their full attention to just one thing. And I think that a lot of times they seem then like people kind of can interpret that as, you know, disinterest, or I think being insensitive. And, And I think that that's not necessarily what's happening. There's a lot because there's a lot going on in the sevens brain. And, mm-hmm. and they need to hone in and focus on you. That's, that's, yeah, they just maybe need a little bit more. I tell my husband, I'm like, you need, you need, if this isn't important, like we can't talk in bed, you, know, you have to like right. give me the cues. I have to know we have time to, this is really time. This is time that we really need to focus yes. on each other. And I, and not the 10 things that we're both doing, you know, that I'm doing at all at once. So. Right. Yeah. I think that's really, really good advice. And I can relate to that too. Cause I'm so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so kind of doing my own thing and my husband will be like, hello, (laughs) can I talk to you for a minute? You know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I think that's great advice. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here, Asia. I think you gave some great insight for everyone into the, the brain and life and work of an Enneagram seven. I appreciate (laughs) you being here. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, this is so fun. It was a great way. I was so excited when I heard you were doing this because I think it's so it's been transformative, really. And I think as a Mm -hmm. business owner doing this and you're trying to if you're a leader and you're wanting to get a team, I I think that this is one of the better things you can do, better resources that you have available to you to really kind of get a beat on, you know, where your employees are and what they need to kind of feel supported and successful in, in your business. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to end on that because I think I would, I always do some takeaways from the episode or tell people to like, take the small step. Right. So the small step from this episode might be that you consider if you've never done it yourself, do the Enneagram test, but you might also consider doing it for team members because that can lend some really helpful insight into how your team can be healthy and how you can relate to one another and understand one another better in your business. So, all right, I'm going to sign off now and tell you all to take a small step because small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.